0: good morning everybody how we doing family doing good what a uh, what an honor what an exciting day to be in the house of God uh, I'm so proud of so many of you guys showing up to church and starting off the year right how many believe this is gonna be a great year come on amen and amen hey can we put our hands together for TC for Framingham for our online family even those on YouTube podcasts? we love you guys so much thanks so much for tuning in uh, If you don't know who I am, my name is Devin Fry. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, Actually recently just had a job shift. Uh, I'll be, uh, my title is gonna be called the regional pastor, so I'm one of the, I'm responsible for kinda many of the campuses here now and our church is, uh, bless you, God bless you. Our church is one site, or one location, we have one church, many locations is what I was trying to say. Uh, Still knew the job. Um, uh, One church, but many locations and we have plans to really expand all over our region and uh, we believe that every neighborhood needs a local church. Can I get an amen everybody? Every neighborhood needs a local church. And so if you're newer to our church or you're new, you never heard me preach before, uh, I just ask that you guys engage with me. We're gonna have a great day in church. I have a very pastoral message. Uh, I teach a communicators class and we always teach that there's three different types of messages. You have prophetic messages, practical messages, and pastoral messages. Today this is a pastoral message. And what I want to do is I want to be able to provide some comfort, but I also want to provide a pathway that you might be able to get healed and whole and healthy. And uh, I'd like to dive into that today. Does that sound good? Yeah. Come on, that sound good? Yeah. All right, actually, I like it. I like it. Uh, if you would uh, turn with me to John chapter number five, if you have your Bibles. If you don't, that's okay. We're going to throw it up on the screen for you. Um, I can't wait to preach this message. We're in a series right now called it's about time it's about time uh, how many know we don't have to wait for another year uh, to just have our dreams be accomplished but there's some things that need to change and, and here's a little note I wrote down in my journal is this is that don't wish things got easier wish you got better don't wish things got easier things aren't gonna get easier in case uh, news flash, things aren't getting easier but if things will get easier if you get better and that's what we want to do uh, this upcoming season and in this series right now. As our pastor taught last week on, it's time to focus. It's time to focus. And I thought that was such a powerful word. Matter of fact, throw up the series text there, guys. Uh, in, in, uh, in the scripture, it talks about how this is the year of the Lord's favor. If you guys have that, throw it up there. I believe it's Second Corinthians chapter number 6, verse 2. It says this. For he says, in the time of favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. I, I did a teaching series a long, long time ago. It was a few years back, and it was called Twenty Five Thousand Mornings. And uh, if you're if you're an OG, you probably remember that series. But we talked about this. That basically, after about 18 years of your life, you know, you take your adolescence, you go into adulthood, and about 18 to 20 years old, you have about give or take 60 to 65 years left of life. The average life expectancy is about 80, 85 years old. Well, accumulate that into about those 60 to 65 years, you have a rounded estimate of about 25,000 mornings. Now, how many know if you only have that limited amount of time, Scripture states, that teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. One translation actually says it like this, that we might live wise and we might live well. I don't know about you. I want to live wise and I want to live well. And so this is why we're doing a series like this is that so we can budget the limited time that God gave us and do it wisely and do it well. So that's why PD taught on time to focus, and today what I want to teach on is this subject, time to get free. Time to get free. Where are my keys? Humbo? I didn't tell you to go. I need the keys. What in the world? I didn't tell this man to leave yet. John chapter five. Yeah, you better get back there. You better get back there. John chapter number five. I didn't even read my main text yet. I was still in my intro. John chapter number five. Um, matter of fact, I like to do this, uh, if we could stand for the reading of God's word, that was just my series intro. We're doing our intro for the message today. Let's do this. John chapter number five. Uh, if you guys are there, say I'm there. All right, let's read this. This is what the Bible says. I love, love, love this text. The Bible says this. Soon there was another feast that came around and Jesus was back in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate. In Jerusalem, there was a pool. In Hebrew, this pool is called Bethesda. Another translation would say house of mercy. Some people would say this is a house of grace. And this house has five alcoves. Next slide. Hundreds of sick people, blind, crippled, paralyzed, were all in these alcoves, but there was one man who had been an invalid, another translation says paralytic, and he was there for 38 years. It's a long, long time, 38 years. When Jesus saw him out by the pool and he knew how long he had been there, he said this, and here's the question for the day. Borderline offensive question as far as I'm concerned. He's talking to a man that's been stuck and has been paralyzed for 38 years. And Jesus asked a simple question that I think he's asking us today. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Uh, Therefore, indicating and implying there's another way. There's a different option. You don't have to stay in the position or the paralyzation that you're in right now. Next slide. The sick man says, sir, when the water is stirred, I don't have anybody to put me in the pool. Because some translations, if you have your physical Bible, verse three would oftentimes, or verse four would be pulled out of some uh, text in some translations because scholars would debate and argue about this particular verse because an angel would come in there, it was what many believed and would stir the pools and the first person that got in the pool would get healed and they would walk away and he'd come back another day now this man was stuck at this pool at this house of mercy and he's been there for 38 years so he says sir the water is stirred i don't have anybody to put me in the pool i'm stuck i'm lame i'm paralyzed but by the time i get there somebody else is already in Watch what Jesus says. Jesus doesn't even respond to that. So watch. God says, do you want to get well? And this man doesn't even say yes. He gives an excuse immediately. So how many know he really has a paralyzation of his legs, but really he has a paralyzed soul. And God wants to do far more healing than just healing your body. Oh my gosh. He wants to heal way more than your legs. So Jesus says, he bypasses this man's excuse. See, this man doesn't even say yes, yet he says, get up, take up your mat, one translation says, start walking. And the man was healed on the spot. He picked up his bedroll and he walked off and he walked off. I wanna teach from this subject today. It's time to get free. And I have a secondary title for those that would like to use it in my note takers is this, is, is healing hurts. Healing hurts. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We love you. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do in this service today. I pray that you would do open-heart surgery. So speak to me and through me. I ask that you would put me on like a glove. Do what you do in this experience, Father. I can't do this by myself. I have a lot to say in a little time. But show them what you have showed me. Take them and start some of them in this journey or give them encouragement as they're in this healing journey and this healing process. Father, you ask this question, do you want to get well? And we say loudly and clearly, yes. So do what you do. Jehovah Jireh, our healer, our provider, would you provide today? Jehovah Rapha, would you heal today? And we ask that you would be in and through this service work today, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Come on, everybody said? Amen and amen and amen. You guys can find your seats. Humberto, I will dismiss you now, my friend. (laughs) Thank you so much, brother. Um, I came across a story uh, a few years back. I've used this illustration once before, but many of you would have never heard this. And I was reminded of this this past week as I was studying for this message. This is a true story. I found it online. But there was a man by the name of Art Lampin. He was a 26-year-old and he was driving. He hydroplaned and he front-ended a semi-truck. Front-ended a semi-truck. He broke five, six ribs. His car was completely totaled. And uh, he actually had to get a tracheotomy. He had a rough, rough surgery recovery, but eventually he made a full recovery, praise God. Now, fast forward about 51 years later, we're really fast forwarding, fast forward about 51 years later, and this man is walking through his local courthouse. He's going to a local courthouse, and he gets wandered down by one of these metal detectors, and there was an indicator that there was a piece of metal in his left forearm, and unbeknownst to him, he didn't realize that there was a little piece of shrapnel there. So, he schedules a surgery, goes into surgery, and to the doctor's surprise and to this man's surprise, what they did is they pulled out a seven-inch turn signal out of his left forearm. You know the blinker that many of you guys don't use when you're driving? (laughs) There was a seven-inch turn signal lodged and eventually left in there for 51 years that was grafted into his bone, and it started protruding out of his body, so much so he scheduled the surgery, and they had it removed. I want you to hear this. This man had an accident 51 years prior. 51 years later, it gets exposed and revealed, and he didn't know, watch this everybody, he didn't know he was carrying something 51 years later from a traumatic event that he had experienced. I wonder how many of us, under the sound of my voice, sitting in this room, listening in Framingham and listening in TC, have carried shrapnel and remnants from past traumatic events that you didn't even know was there. How many of us have been in this situation? I'm telling you, this year is a time to get free. This is a year that it's time to get free, and it wasn't until a device that could detect something deeper than skin revealed it to him. <laughs> And that's my prayer is that a sermon like this, an experience like this can reveal some things that although you might think you're good, let me just tell you, all of us are on a healing journey. I'm a pastor and by no means am I perfect. My wife would say amen to that. (laughs) By no means am I perfect. Thank you, sweetheart, for that. I appreciate the support. we are all in a healing process. But this story leads me to a simple statement that I would like to make. And if you are a note taker, I would encourage you to write this down. It is this. If we are to improve our lives, it requires us to address our injuries. If you want to improve your life and live the John ten ten life that God so promises and God says is an option and an opportunity for us, improving your lives means addressing your injuries. If you want to conquer life, well, first you need to conquer some of the conflict and some of the traumas and some of the issues of the past because listen to me, healing does not happen accidentally. It happens intentionally. There is a foolish moniker in culture nowadays is that time heals all wounds. <laughs> You're an idiot if you think that. Time does not heal all wounds. If anything, time masks wounds. As you don't know something is, you don't know something is, is it, it may not be, you may not feel it, but it's dormant. And so it requires experiences like this, conversations like we we're about to have to bring up some stuff that might be a little bit painful, but it is necessary for you to keep on moving forward. I think there, we all of us fall into three different categories today. Some people in their healing process and some people in the freedom journey, uh, we would fall into this category where we, we don't know we need it. We don't know we need it. Listen to me. We live in a cursed world. We have decaying and dying bodies. There are problems all throughout culture. I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm just giving you reality. This is a result of sin coming into the world. And as a result of sin coming into the world, death, sin, shame, guilt, mistakes happen all the time. Therefore, we are recipients of some of these issues, and all of us have either made some mistakes or mistakes were done to us, and all of us have some degree of trauma. Now, some of us have big T trauma and some of us have little t trauma, but it's not to neglect the fact that all of us have a degree of trauma. What is trauma? It is something either done to you or something not given to you, it's abuse or it's neglect. It is pain and problems that all of us have been recipients of. Am I making sense, everybody? (laughs) So as a result of that, some of us might think, oh, I didn't even know I need healing. Let me just tell you something, you need healing. You wanna know the person that you could ask if you need to get free from some stuff or not? Ask your spouse, ask your brother, ask your sister, ask your mom, they will tell you. Some of us are in the position where we don't know we need healing or some of us are too prideful where we won't address our healing. And it is the people that think they don't that always are the ones that need it the most. It's the people that think they don't that need it the most, friend. Can I just tell you, you need to address some of your pain. You need to address some of the unmarked. I didn't say this in the illustration. I'll say this right now. Just as it was with this man where he had a turn signal grafted to his bones, this is what happens with unmanaged pain or mismanaged pain. Unaddressed pain or mismanaged pain, this is what happens. is pain that is unmanaged or pain that is unaddressed grafts into our personality. Does that make sense? is it literally becomes a part of your personality. You say, oh, that's how God made me. No, God didn't make you dysfunctional. He made you strong, and he made you a leader. He didn't make you a jerk. So when we have unaddressed or mismanaged pain, mismanaged pain turns and grafts into a piece of our personality, and this is why you need some healing. This is why you need some freedom, and this is why we need to have conversations like this. I think there might be a third option, which is where many of us would probably fall it's either we don't know we need healing, we're too prideful to address the healing, or it's too painful to touch it. Yeah. And, Frank, can I just tell you, being a pastor, uh, being a counselor, being in ministry for about 10 plus years, I have had traumatic conversations with people of things that have happened to you, things that were done to you, and I am sorry. And I'm sorry you're in the position that you are in. But let me just tell you the healing process, I said it before, healing hurts it hurts. It's hard. It's tough. But listen to me, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Let me, let me share this with a story. So, so my wife, she's an esthetician, right? And so she addresses and takes care of people's skin. You know, she does like waxes and waxing and stuff like that. And so we had a studio in our house. So people came in and out of our house all the time. Now for years, my wife was like, babe, let me wax you. And I said, "Get thee behind me, Satan." <laughs> um, I'm kidding. I didn't say that. She would have kicked me out of the house. Um, but for years, she was going at it. And now, now I feel like I have a relatively high pain tolerance. Um, but this was something that I was just absolutely terrified of. Ladies, I don't know how y'all do it. Okay. There was eventually one day, now I'm gonna share a, a piece of information. This is not to be like weird about it, but like she's like, babe, I, I need to wax your back. Now, I am 30 years old. I'm not telling you I'm a werewolf, okay? Like, I am just, I've been through puberty. I got a little hair on my back. So she was like, I'm gonna wax your back. And so she, I go, okay, fine. Finally, the day comes. She's like, I, I'm gonna wax you. So I sit down at a little table. I put my head down right here. And then she starts stirring this cauldron of magma. I don't know what was happening. I was like, what, what, what is that? I was like, what is that? It's like, it's like literally lava is just bo- boiling and bubbling and I'm like, what, what's going on here? And then she starts doing this, she starts going. <laughs> I go, what the heck is wrong with my wife? I said, what in, what in the world is, is happening right now? She could attest to this. I sit down on my back and she goes, okay, are you ready? And what she did was she literally put, a, it, it wasn't a wax strip, it was a lava strip on my back. I could literally feel the sk- sulfur was in the air, it was insane. She puts this on my back, and then she, I literally start crying. I'm t- I, tears are flowing. I'm hyperventilating a little bit because it was so hot. And she goes, okay, babe, are you ready? And I go, what do you mean am I ready? Like, I, I figured this is going to sting a little bit, but she goes, okay, but you're kind of a wuss. I go, what do you mean I'm a wuss? So now she's waxing my back. I'm, like, in a humble and, and, and scary position, and she's, like, starting to insult my, my identity, and I'm freaking out. So she goes, okay, on the count of three, I'm going to strip it. And I go, okay, here we go. So I'm like preparing myself. (sighs) Here we go. She goes, okay, (laughs) once. I start hyperventilating. I start crying. I am literally in the middle of the most painful experience of my entire life. And she starts attacking my identity again. She goes, you're a wuss, Devin. I do this to women all the time. I go, these women are UFC fighters. There's no doubt about it. I said, my God, how do they handle this? I asked babe, I literally asked her, she was gonna say, I go, babe, why is this so painful? And she goes, first of all, you need to grow up. Secondly, she goes, it's because we're not skimming the surface, we're uprooting things, and whenever you uproot things, it's always a little bit more painful. It's always a little bit more painful. And she says this, because a couple of days later, I had some like bumps on my back, because I was not used to that kind of stuff. And she goes, when you uproot deep things, there is always a reaction. Healing? Hurts. It's not an easy process, but it is so necessary. And here's a thought that I want to give you today. And this is the thesis for my entire message. Write this thought down. It is this, is that you are not responsible for your injuries, but you are responsible for your healing. You're not responsible for your injuries. I'm sorry for what's happened to you. But at some point and at some place, I'm preaching real good right now. At some point and at some place in your life, you have to say, I am not my past. I am not paralyzed. And I'm going to get back up again. At some point. You have to make that decision. I am sorry for what happened to you. I am sorry that you didn't have a dad. I'm sorry you didn't have a mom. But let me just tell you, God can rewrite your story. He can set you in a church family. He can put you in a place where you can have life and life abundantly. But it starts with a decision to say, I'm not responsible for my injuries, but I am responsible for my healing. Can I give you some Bible to support that? 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. It should be up on the screen. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, Paul is basically saying, since we have all these promises, dear brothers, dear friends, let us purify ourselves. Does God, God, God does saving, but you have a responsibility to also be a part of the process and participate with him and do some of your own responsible healing. And so he says, purify ourselves from everything that contaminates the body and the spirit. So what does that say? That means your body, your mind, and your spirit are your responsibility. They're your responsibility. You're not responsible for your injuries. You are responsible for your healing. And so what does it say? We are to purify ourselves from everything that contaminates the body. So here's what I want you to know. Is you are responsible to kill the things that are killing you. This requires intentionality. We do not heal accidentally. We heal. Intentionally, we heal intentionally. Am I preaching good so far? Is this making sense? So, so a couple of thoughts. A couple of thoughts we need to highlight today. Number one would be this: is uh, I want to summarize John chapter number five because there's so much to learn about God and who He is and the healing process. Because this man, if as far as we know, this man was actually the paralytic was actually kind of foolish. He, he got healed by God, but he didn't even go forward and find out and seek the person that healed him because some people want healing and they don't want the healer. Is they want what God gives you, but they don't want the giver of who gave them the gifts. And this is a dangerous, dangerous thing. And Jesus comes back to give him a warning. But first, I remember giving this uh, a few years back in, in 2020. I did this little creative project. I always wanted to do this. Words matter a lot to me. So uh, I, I would consider myself a little bit of a creative just because, but I, I love words are my art. Words are my paint, so to speak. These experiences would be kind of my canvas, and I did this, I did this spoken word this one time. It was called Word War III. I filmed it on my YouTube channel, and, and it goes something like this. There's a line in here that I want to highlight today. It goes like this. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Who told you that? They were a liar, and it's not even funny because it was one angry and evil lie that was planted in my mind, and since I was 12 years old, I still wrestle with it, thinking that they might be right. Maybe you don't have your LTC, but you do have a concealed weapon. It is the power of the tongue, and it has the ability to unleash heaven, or barrage humanity with bullets of all my pain. So right now, it's time to set the record straight, because words could set you free, or they could keep you bound. They could build you up, or they could tear you down. You could beat my body, even assault me on the street. And it does not compare to an evil word spoken because those affect my beliefs. Now, we all have friends. I'm not done. Stop it. We all have friends and their bodies are working, but their spirit has been broken because pain. Listen to this. Pain goes so much deeper than skin because of words that were spoken. So speak life and not death. Instead of curses, why don't you bless and take account of the words that you are speaking because with them, you release angels or demons so look me in the eyes you must do your part for sticks and stones may break my bones but words will break our hearts I don't know what was said to you I don't know what was done to you I don't know what wasn't given to you but you're gonna get healed in Jesus name (laughs) I believe the Lord has healing and he has freedom as your portion. But you must participate with God because something we learn about the text in John chapter 5 is this, is that healing is an act of God, but it requires the participation of man. Healing always is an act of God. In God's sovereignty, he chooses what he chooses. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. I can't guarantee you're going to get healed, but I can tell you, you can't position yourself to be found by God. Healing is an act of God, but God gives us this option and he gives us this question is, do you want to get well? Do you want to get free? God cares so much more about he- God cares so much more about making you whole than just making you healed. because you can get healed in your body and you could still go to hell. You could get set free in your body and you still don't know the person that sets all of us free. So God cares way more about the spirit man than every other thing, but he cares about all things. And he wants to make you whole spiritually. He wants to make you whole uh, socially. He wants to make you whole uh, physically. God wants to make you whole. But it requires you to say, I want to participate with this healing. I want to participate with what God is doing in and through my life. So we have to ask ourselves a few different questions. First of all, do you want to get free? Do you want to get free? Do you want to get free from some of the bondage and some of the past? Because I ask two questions. Whenever I'm reading a text, here's an exegetical and a hermeneutical question that I love to ask to understand the scriptures. It would be this. Is What does this man represent? You ask yourself, what does this represent? Because the Bible was written for us, but it wasn't necessarily written to us. So it is for our learning. It is for training, rebuking, correcting, and making us wise unto salvation to help us grow in our righteousness. So we have to ask ourselves this question is, what does this man represent? This man represents a man that God gave a purpose, but sin gave him paralysis. Wow, Listen, your paralysis is getting in the way of your purpose. And you must address your paralysis to accomplish all that God has for you in your purpose. What is purpose? The reason or reasons for the creation or the existence of a thing. What is your paralysis? I don't know what your paralysis is, but all of us have a different one and all of us need to address the paralysis because it's getting in the way of our purpose. God has given you gifts, talents, abilities, a calling, special uh, uh, assignments, insights, ideas that could change the face of the planet. But what the devil does is he'll come in there and whisper little things or put these little and orchestrate these dramatic events that happen. And you're carrying a turn signal in your forearm 51 years later and you didn't even realize it. So whatever age you're at right now, it is never too late to start and you're never too old to begin. It is time to heal. It is time to heal. I want to give you a healing process. But before that, I want to give you one. Uh, Honest and vulnerable story because I think vulnerability is really the process in in the healing journey. So to be totally transparent, um, pastoring is not the easiest job in the world. Now, I know some of you guys come into church and if you're newer to the house, you're like, well, don't they just pray throughout the week and all they do is preach once a a week on a Sunday. That's not ministry, okay? That's probably 10% of what we do. (laughs) There is a lot of work, a lot of hustle, and a lot of grind uh, behind the scenes. That's not to ask for compassion. That's just to say we need to dispel that myth quickly. That being said, you experience uh, so much trauma from other people, and you are literally a crisis management center. So eventually what a lot of pastors experience is what's called compassion fatigue. Some people would call it burnout. This happens very often. And the reason so many pastors don't have longevity is because of the constant bombarding of issues. And I want to give you what I've learned through this process, especially talking with my wife, my parents, and even some counseling. Because yes, I believe in counseling. And some of you guys need counseling. Turn your neighbor and say, no, I'm kidding, don't do that. Um, <laughs> but seriously, maybe in the car right home. Um, so my dad and mom were just being awesome parents and awesome pastors. And they bring my wife and I uh, to their house. I'm sitting on this, on this couch and and my dad's expressing some things. He just tells me some affirmation. He's, I'm so proud of you for doing this. My mom's telling me I'm so proud of you for doing this. Uh, but it got to where I knew they they needed to go. And because my parents are so loving, how many know? Uh, sometimes we don't just need encouragement; we need correction. Yeah. Yeah. And the people in your life that express their concerns are really the people that love you well. What does Proverbs say? Proverbs says, um, "Better wounds from a friend than kisses from an enemy." So dad comes to me, and he goes, young man, I'm so proud of you for where you're at. And he goes, I'm so proud for the student that you are. I love to learn. I love to read. I'm always throwing some of that stuff on Instagram and social media. Like, if you, if, uh, if you love to read, I got tons of suggestions for you. He's like, I love that you do that, and I love that you fill your mind. But listen to me, son. You need to heal your heart. And I literally, as soon as he said it, not going to test, I just literally bawled my eyes out. Because I was like, there has been some pain over the years doing what I do. And it's not an easy process, but I started to experience that pain and it became a part of my personality. And I just called it, oh, I just, this, this job forced me to be this way. I had to be stronger. And then what happened was it started to bleed out into other areas that was being noticeable and my dad needed to address it. And he says, you don't need more content. You need more conversations. He goes, I love that you fill your mind. Keep doing that. But your mind And your heart are at two different levels. And you need to address your heart to really bring it to the same level that your mind is at. And I wept and I cried and I took notes and I said, I'm going to work on this. And it has been a process for probably about a year now. It was probably a conversation we had about a year ago. And I'm so grateful that there are people in my life that have addressed some of the issues of the heart so that we can really start this healing process. If you're like me, uh, I take those things very seriously. And, and let me just address that one thing really quick is if you run away from conversations like that, you will live with a blind spot for the rest of your life and you will not fulfill the purpose that God has for you. Okay. Feedback is the greatest gift. And feedback, even when it hurts, yep. even when it hurts, is from people that genuinely love you. Yeah. Yeah. Now you have to do it in love, speak the truth in love. Ephesians talks about, yes, this is so important. But feedback is one of the greatest gifts that somebody could give you. Do not run from those relationships. Lean into those relationships. So that started an emotional healing process that my wife and I kind of went on, and I've asked for, for her a lot of help in that, in that journey. And, and here's, here's three things. Here's the practical solution to, to the rest of this message is how to heal. Is this going to be helpful for anybody? Because yeah. I want to give you three things how to heal. And based on some of the general principles I see in Scripture, I'm going to give you a formula, or really I'm going to give you a uh, – a blueprint for your healing process. Now, all of us have a different healing. We have a customized healing process, but it will always have these three things included in it, okay? And then, Keys, you can come on out here because I need to minister for a little bit. Um, The first would be this. is the healing process, how to heal. Number one would be this, bonding and belonging. Bonding and belonging. Matter of fact, I got almost all of this information from this book, How to Heal or Changes that Heal, by Dr. Henry Cloud. I could not recommend this book more. He's a psychologist. He's a counselor. He has loads of scripture in here. And I love, love, love all of his resources. But this book really changed my life. Changes that heal. Highly recommend it. He talks about the bonding process. You cannot heal with, because the healing process is a relational process. The Bible says in scripture, it says, confess your sins to God and you'll be forgiven. But confess your sins to one another and you will be healed. Why? Because healing requires relationships. And even though people hurt you, people can also help heal you. It's just a matter of putting yourself in the healthy places and people's lives, and that's where the healing journey begins. Matter of fact, there's a scripture in, um, where's that? Throw up the scripture that you guys, have. it talks about being knit in love. If you guys have that. I'll, uh, I'll look at it real quick. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 2, verse 1 through 2. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, And for those at Laodicea, and for all those that have not seen me face-to-face, as Paul speaking, that their hearts may be encouraged, and this is his prayer, that they be knit together in love. That's our prayer for you at this church. I want you to come. I love that you hear these messages. I love that you're receptive. I love our worship. I love our Sunday services. But to be honest, if there was a choice for all of our pastoral staff, not that we think you should have either or, but it's both and. But if there was a choice, you need, you need friends more than you need a church service. You, you won't hear many pastors say that, by the way. You need community. You need brothers and sisters far more than you need more sermons. You need people in relationships where you are literally your souls are knit together in love. It's our prayer for you. Why do we do small groups? Why do we push it so hard? It's so that you can be exposed and be positioned. Come on, position for healing. You can be positioned to find the best friends, your brothers, your sisters, a spiritual father or mother that you never had. Because God can do in spiritual family what some of your biological family could never do. You didn't hear what I just said. God can do in spiritual family and your spiritual family can outlast and outperform your biological family oftentimes. This is why we do what we do, is being knit together in love. Ecclesiastes says it like this. It says, pity the man who has no one to help him and pick him up. May not be said of you. I've taught this for years. Three types of relationships. You have pencil-level relationships, pen-level relationships, and blood-level relationships. Pencil is there for a short time. Pen is there for a long time. And blood is there for a lifetime. I pray that you would find blood-level relationships in this house and in this spiritual community. Is that you would have people that you would be in covenant with. But what does that require? That requires intentionality and that requires vulnerability. Write it down. That requires intentionality and that requires vulnerability. I was reading this just this other day. Um, It's called porcupine syndrome. That was brilliant. Porcupine syndrome. is You got porcupines that are in the middle of this cold, frigid, wintry season. And because of the cold, naturally these porcupines draw closer together and they draw closer and closer until eventually they start getting so close that they start pricking each other with their quills. And what happens after that, therefore the result of that is they get distant again. But because of the cold weather, they start to draw closer and closer until eventually they keep doing that and then it becomes this vicious cycle and this is humanity. Is because of the tenacity and the tough, difficult things of life. It draws us closer and closer to people. But because you have sharp quills, because you have sharp pains, it is drawing people and pushing people away. But what does it require? It requires you to be vulnerable. Not to show your back and your quills, but to show your heart. And if you want to find your best friends in your entire life, here's the process is stop showing your hurts and start showing your hearts. It's bonding and belonging. Is friend, you need some people in your life to go through life with. We're launching, we're, we're hoping to launch 10 freedom groups this upcoming semester. For some of you, this is the only step you need to take for this season. It's just to get into freedom. I don't really need freedom. Yes, you do because of that response. All of us need to go through this. All of us need to go through that. It's so, so important. Some of you guys need to get into CLA and start getting trained and start getting discipled and start to grow. It's our leadership academy. We're launching, uh, this is is an in-house, it is not public to uh, everybody, it's for our young adult dream teamers who have invested in this house. We're launching things called life groups. We're going to have six life groups this upcoming semester where we have older couples investing in younger individuals or couples that can basically be a spiritual mom or dad for people because that's what this this church wants to provide is that we pray that you would find not just a uh not just friends but a new home that's what we're doing and that's why pastor keaton's coming up and that's why we got him and pulled him all the way from colorado to say help build this local church this way nobody loves you pastor keaton apparently i'm sorry about that yeah it was great it's great that was a perfect opportunity to be like, oh, we're so honored and blessed to have Pastor Keaton, but nobody cheered for him. So I know Framingham, I know you guys did, TC, I know you guys did, Ashland's just stuck up, okay? I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. You guys need healing just from that comment I just made. Bonding and belonging. Number two would be this, boundaries. Uh-oh, uh-oh, boundaries. First, we need to dispel a myth. We need to dispel one clear myth. We need to unlearn something. When scripture says to turn the other cheek because somebody slapped you, this is not scripture advocating or affirming that you should subject yourself to abuse. That is not what the text is saying for the love of God. We think that Christians are just supposed to be nice. And this text suggests to people from the naked eye is literally to say, oh, you should just subject yourself to abuse. Turn the other cheek, get slapped again and keep doing it. That is not the Bible. That scripture is simply highlighting and stating you are a Christian and you are not to retaliate for vengeance is not yours, vengeance is the Lord's in Romans 12 it says. So it does not say to put yourself in situations where you are constantly getting abused. Listen to me, boundaries are biblical. They're biblical. What's a boundary? It is a line, a limit, or a fence. It is a fence to indicate this is my responsibility and this is yours. So literally, we must put boundaries in place so that not you can keep yourself from hurt, but so you can live wisely and you can live well. A word for you real quick for some of us, and this might step on some toes. It is what it is, but this is, this is, this is going to help you. For some of us, you even need to do this with some family. Because just because they're blood doesn't mean they're not bad blood. And just because somebody's, I'll say it a different way. Just because somebody is saved doesn't mean they're safe. Write it down. Just because somebody's saved doesn't mean they're safe. I remember teaching this to my son. We were going for a walk and and both Zion and Ezzy were walking outside. This was in the summer this past year. And there was this cute little dog on the outside. Cute little, small little, probably like six little pounds. Like this thing is so cute. And so uh, Zion runs up to it, runs into the person's front yard, goes, into the, goes past the fence. And he goes, oh, my God, Dad, look at the dog. And he's, like, literally five feet away, close in proximity, and this dog goes off. Literally, this dog is full of demons. There's no doubt. You know how they, they cast out demons and then it goes into the pigs? The legion went into that dog. That's what happened. And so I go, Zion, Zion, stop, stop, stop. Because just because the dog is cute doesn't make the dog safe. Hopefully you know I'm not talking about dogs right now. Listen to some of my younger people. She might be cute, but it doesn't mean she's safe. Yep. I'm preaching real good. Come on, parents. <laughs> That's a word for somebody right there. I felt the Holy Ghost on that one. We have to be clear about property lines and fence lines. You know. You know a story that came to my mind is Jonah. Is Jonah was disobedient to the Lord. He ran from the call of God. He was supposed to go to Nineveh, got onto a boat, and was going to a different, different place. Because because he's like, I'm not doing that. I don't wanna go to those people. Those people suck. I don't wanna go to Nineveh. Literally, read the Bible, That's, that's what happened. So he's on this boat. And all these guys on this boat, the the people that were running the ship, literally threw up all this cargo, they threw up all these resources, eventually they're like, I think this is not probably a practical issue, I think this is a spiritual issue. Jonah comes to him, confesses, yeah, you guys are in a storm right now because of your boy. And um, so here's what I would, it was Jonah's idea, he he goes, this is what I would suggest, you should probably just throw me into the ocean. That's when you know you're pretty toxic, okay? He goes, you should just throw me into the ocean. So these guys literally like, all right, let's try it. Throws him into the ocean. What happens? The Bible says the storm stopped because listen to me, this might rock some of your theological trees, but sometimes some of your problems are not fixed by prayer. It's by throwing somebody overboard. Sips tea. You need to set some clear boundaries. It is so important. You need to set some boundaries on some individuals and some environments. Listen to me. Jesus comes back to this man and he literally says, uh, it would be wise for you to not go off and live your life sinning. He says to the paralyzed man, it would be wise for you not to go off and, and start sinning. He gives him a warning. Don't go back to the place and don't go do the things that you used to do. Because it would be worse for you that way. Set a boundary. And sometimes before we remove standards, we have to ask why we put a standard there in the first place. Bonding, belonging, boundary setting, here would be the third one, is this, is becoming whole. Becoming whole. The healing process is a process that must be done intentionally, not accidentally. We must become whole. Now in scripture, uh, the Bible says that we are made in the image of God. Meaning that God is tripart being. We get this term, the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So because we are made in the image of God, we are also triune beings. We have a body, a mind, and a spirit. We are a spirit. We have a soul, or mind, you could say, and then it's housed in a body. So for some of us, the healing process looks different than others. Some of you guys, you just need discipleship. You need to take care of your mind. And you need to train your brain you hear me so we do not conform to the patterns of this world but be therefore renewed uh, renewed renew your mind is what the Bible says so some of us it's a mental thing some of us just need to get into a Bible study some of us need to know theology and we need to know Scripture and we need to address some therapy so that we can literally train retrain our brain for some of us it's our body and it wasn't the devil that caused you to be late it was because you're lazy You didn't set an alarm. Stop giving the devil credit for all the things. It's because you need to grow. But some of us, some of us, it would just be deliverance. Is that no counseling. It's that no amount of practical habits are going to change some stuff. It's that you need to cast out a spirit over your family, over your life. And so this is why your spirit, write this down. Your spirit needs deliverance. Your body needs development and your mind needs discipleship. All of us have a different healing journey. That is so good. I hope you wrote that down. All of us need a different type of healing process, but this is the process of becoming whole. And let me just tell you, God can use you even when you're not perfect. Nobody here is perfect. We are all on this healing journey. Well, let me tell you a story quickly as I wrap up. I remember meeting a young girl in the Ashland campus, sitting right over here in this a few rows back, and I meet this girl about a year, two months ago. She comes up. The first question she asks is she goes, Pastor Chris Mendez was preaching that day. She comes up and she says, uh, P. Dev, do, uh, do you know the answer to, your, to the notes? Because I missed one of the notes and I needed to get it and I wanted to put it down. And I was like, this girl is a leader. She's got something in her. I actually ended up teaching Next Steps that very next day, that very, that very same day. And I see her as one of the students in class. And so I wrote her name down in my phone as I got her contact. As her name and then i put next steps next to her in my contact list anybody ever do that yeah. you know you like have to put a parenthesis and an adjective to describe who that person is because i'm terrible with names sometimes i don't know if anybody else that just ministered to me right there she begins this healing journey because she goes through next steps she got into a discipleship group she started getting some deliverance and some freedom people laying hands on her and praying for her. and uh Just a few months ago, she preached her first sermon ever on a Sunday morning at Connect Church. And just as of this past week, she started to become one of the coordinators and one of the leaders for all of Next Steps. Ironically, I put her name, Heather Vasquez, Next Steps, in my phone. And prophetically, she became one of the leaders of it. Because she started this healing journey. Is she done yet? No. Am I done yet? Absolutely not. We are all in this healing process. But you cannot let your paralysis... Get in the way of your purpose. God has good plans for you. And there's something I see in this text that is so valuable. It is this. Is that this man, the paralyzed man, the invalid, the paralytic, he didn't do anything to ask God for healing. He gave excuses. He didn't even seek God. God sought him. The two times we see in the text, the two times we see Jesus in the text, is Jesus went to him and found him at the pool of Bethesda, And then Jesus, after the man got healed, changed his identity, changed his life, healed him physically, and even healed him socially. He literally says, Jesus found the man. Because God wants to heal you more than you want to heal you. This is the character and the nature of our God. He wants you to be free more than you want to be free. And let me just tell you, don't be like this man. I don't know why God chose him. His ways are not our ways. or His thoughts are not our thoughts. But you can position yourself to be free and to be found and to be healed amen everybody would you bow your heads close your eyes i want to pray for you today i'm going to pray for all campuses and in a moment tc framingham i'm going to dismiss but father i pray that you would do open heart surgery right now open their mind open their heart would you open their eyes and heal their wounds for my church family lord i love them so much i know you do and i know you are radically and aggressively pursuing them So do what you do, Father. I pray that you would renew their mind right now in Jesus' name. I pray that you would deliver their spirit, whatever tormenting spirit, whatever sickness, whatever infirmity, anxiety, we cast out in Jesus' name. We cancel that assignment. I draw a bloodline around them. I pray angels on assignment to protect their life. You would send archangels right now over their home. Their children will belong to Jesus. They will serve the Lord in their youth. Whatever infirmity, sickness, bondage, uh, issue, Father, we cancel it in Jesus' name. Jesus's name. Now, I also ask, Lord, that you give us courage. You give us wisdom and direction to make the necessary decisions, to make adjustments and changes in Jesus' name. Him T C online, I love you guys. You're dismissed right now. God bless you. For Ashlyn, bow your heads, close your eyes. I want to pray for you. We're going to worship together. <clears throat> if there's one thing I learned about God is he is obsessive with getting you in your purpose and to fulfill the assignment that God has for your life. And, and this man was healed in Bethesda, the house of mercy. What's grace? Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. And so none of us here would be here if it wasn't for the grace of God and the mercy of God. And all I want to do right now is give you a clear opportunity and an easy invitation to just say, I want to say yes to Jesus. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you on a count of three to boldly shoot your hand up and say, I want to respond to this radical pursuer, Jesus. If that's you, one, Jesus loves you. Two, today's your day for salvation. Don't wait another minute for tomorrow is not promised. Three, if that's you, shoot your hand up and say, I wanna say yes to Jesus. I wanna have him save me, set me free, set my soul. On Thank you so much, I'm so proud of you. Thank you so much, I'm so proud of you, young man. Thank you so much, I'm so proud of you. Thank you so much, young lady, I'm so proud of you. Is there anybody else? Repeat this prayer after me and everybody stand to your feet. Keep your heads bowed, please. Stand to your feet, we're gonna to worship together. Father, we love you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Thank you for choosing me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for believing in me. Thank you for setting me free. Today, Father, I ask for a renewal of my mind. I ask for deliverance for my spirit. And I ask for wisdom for my life. Open my eyes, heal my soul. Set me free. Remove my uh, my paralysis and get me into my purpose. Help me to bond. Help me to set boundaries. And help me to become whole. I trust you. I love you. In Jesus' name.